1: The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome to, I think, our first player interview of uh, 2023 on the Pesky Report presented by Belly Up Sports. I'm Ed Hand, and I'm joined today by Brad Chandler. Hi, Brad. And Tim Watson. Hi, Tim. What's up, Ed? How are you? And the reason that you're all actually listening to us right now, we've got new to the 40-man roster on the boston Red sox left-handed starting pitcher chris Murphy how are you doing today
2: chris good thank you for having me on guys i appreciate it oh yeah no
1: we're we're happy to have you here and before you know before we go into too many questions just want to congratulate you on the addition to the 40-man roster that must have been pretty exciting
2: thank you yes very very exciting day um middle of playing catch when it happened i was kind of anticipating it but not anticipating it just kind of going about my day and I knew if it was right it would happen so
1: at what point did you realize last season like there was you know there was a chance that you were getting added to it because you started in double a um and by the end of the season you were in triple a but like when did you start to get a feeling like okay I might they might add me
2: um it That's hard to gauge. I would say halfway through that time in double A, I was like, I'm pitching well, it's either I'm confidently saying they either add me or I get picked up. So it's just one of those things that you're, it's just a confidence in the back of your head just to keep, keep doing what you're doing, keep, keep pitching, and just kind of wait till the end of the year. But I knew it was always a possibility. Um, I stay healthy, stayed healthy all year through 150 innings. So it was one of those one of those things I've showed durability on the mound, and that's that's important.
0: You can literally just say, "Yeah, I knew from the beginning." You know, like
2: <laughs> I've I, I, no, no, no. I, no. Knew. I I would say there, there was there was actually some doubt at the end of the season with how bad I was pitching. I was like, "Oh, might, my, my not." Uh To be to be very frank with you, there
1: <laughs> were you so that that was something that you were pretty. I mean, your double A season got you know you had Bray and Beo and Brandon Walter and Brian and all these really good good pitchers there that it almost made what you were doing kind of kind of sneak up on people. Um, and then you got brought up to triple a and there was something that I noticed at least in the games that a lot of the games that you were starting where you'd go six innings and be absolutely lights out. And then the seventh inning would be where you ran into trouble. <laughs> so was that like, was the fatigue just starting to set in at that point?
2: Um, I'm not exactly sure if it was fatigue or like a mental point or just, Thought I was done after the sixth because there's a few starts where I was like, all right, last, like, get this hitter out. Like, that's a good start and gave it all I had at the end of the sixth inning. And then, oh, going back out there and it's a little a little draining. Um, I'd say like there's definitely those moments where it's like, oh, okay, I was not expecting to go seventh. I've, but um, it is what it is. And you just kind of have to learn from that. And then as the season goes, once you go back out for that seventh, you need to be ready for it or. That's that's on me at the end of the day. So
0: I'm mean, at it. So uh, like, a lot of the pitchers nowadays go to like five innings. So like seeing you go six innings, a big step. And then going out there for the seventh, hey man, you might be having you might be having problems with the seventh right now. But now, in 2023,
2: you'll be prepared for that. Exactly, exactly. I don't think I, I think I had a couple seven inning starts in A in 2021, but not too many in A this year. I think there was mostly six inning starts, um, maybe go out into the seventh to get that additional up down to get used to it. But I think maybe only one or two seven inning starts this year as well. So something I'm looking forward to next year is working deeper into games and I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to get a complete game under my belt at some point in my pro career.
0: You heard it here first. Chris Murphy, complete game. Perfect game. Triple A. <laughs> I
2: don't know about perfect. That's, I'm, that's hard.
0: I'm one in you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yeah, I mean the seventh inning. You don't really see too many guys going into that at AAA or AA at all. I mean, Brian Bayo, I remember him doing that in the seventh inning uh, of that no hitter he threw in a double-header. But like, you really just are in. I mean, look at the look at the no hitter that got thrown when uh, Michael Walker was making his rehab start this year, uh, last year in AAA. It was like four different pitchers, and that's most of yeah. what you see these days. Like, it's not a lot of guys getting those additional innings. Are um, have you always kind of been? that rubber arm innings eater type, or is
2: that something that's uh, been new for you? Um, I've always been like a pretty healthy. I've always had a pretty healthy arm. So it's been one of those things I'm used to building up as a starter throughout spring training, throwing longer bullpens in the off season, just to kind of get used to that. So that once I hit the ground running in spring training, I'm ready to go two or three right off the bat. Um, And I'd say something that I've, usually done pretty well is the first two innings I'm settling in after the second inning I'm I feel like I'm getting stronger third through sixth so that's one of those things that I I really like confidence wise is flip the order around a second time and see if and if I do well a second time through a third time through I think it's it's one of those things that gets really fun once you work deep into games you're like yeah I'm getting these guys out three times so kind of just working towards that and yeah, I've always never never had injuries, never had an issue with going deep. Question for you. Oh, yeah.
0: What's the adrenaline rush like when you're going out to the mound for the first inning?
2: It's. I need, I'd need. i say that's one thing I've been trying to refine this offseason is how, how do I control that? Because my first inning by far is my worst inning every start. Like, if I have a 1-2-3 first inning – that's it. Like, I, I know I'm good to go, but I think most of my A starts, I walk the first guy or hit the first guy of almost every start. So it's one of those things that that's conscious in the back of my head heading into next season. It's a lot of adrenaline. And it, it does make me wonder, like, what's it like coming out of the bullpen if I have that adrenaline from pitch one, which I think I would be kind of excited about because as a starter, there's a medium of having adrenaline, but also being calm. And it's hard to find that happy medium. So just finding it sooner, finding it in the bullpen, I think is, is something that I'm, I have to learn to, to mellow down a little bit. I mean, speaking of the uh,
1: bullpen, um, being added to the 40 man and all that, there's the depth of lefties with the Red Sox right now. Has there been any conversation about um, coming out of the bullpen for you? Um, with the big league club at all this season
2: there has not been conversation about it um but at last spring training i sat down with bushy and we discussed like what a good bullpen routine would look like if there was ever a scenario so in double a i had two starts where i came out of the bullpen or two outings where i came out of the bullpen um just kind of getting me used to that and i think i figured out something that works for me and just it's more quick than anything not really thinking just just going. Um, but it hasn't been a discussion this offseason now.
0: How do you prepare differently, like when you know you're coming out of the
2: bullpen? Uh, it's just, it's more make sure your arm's ready. You don't want to go in there cold. Um, you just have to trust your pitches. And as a starter, I throw a 30 pitch, 25 pitch bullpen before I go into a game. I can work on all of my pitches and throw some two strike curveballs or some two strike changeups or like an oo slider and just like work on things that I'll be doing throughout a start. But in the bullpen, once your name's called, you get hot. You throw, you just rip fastballs until until your arm feels ready to go and you just trust that that off-speed stuff's going to work if you're going the game sooner than you thought. If you have a couple extra pitches, you you flip over some breaking balls, throw a couple changeups and at that point you're ready to go. You get maybe 10 15 pitches versus 25 or and, and paced out. So I'd, I'd say that's the difference. Yeah.
1: So for folks at home that aren't familiar with, uh, that might not be as familiar with your game. What type of a
2: pitcher are you? What do you What do you throw? Uh, throw fastball, changeup, curveball, and working on two sliders right now. So two one to sliders. throw to lefties, one to throw to lefties, one to throw to righties. So a firmer one and a and a sweeper as we call it, and a softer one. So. um, that's that's what we're working on up here right now and that's that's the goal which um which of those is your favorite
1: to throw so far Not that's just follow, of all of your whole arsenal which ones your uh do you uh, think do you feel the most confident
2: with my change up by far um it's it's a fun pitch to throw I've always had a natural feel for it I guess so it's one of those things I kind of lost it a little bit last last season moving between the double a AA and triple a balls but throwing with the major league balls all off season, finally got it back to where I want it and feel very good about that hitting in a spring training.
1: Did um, that seems like it's a pitch that, that uh, people really look for more. Like when you see uh, like Michael Walker, that was, uh, that was his big pitch in the majors. Is that something that you've always had when um, you were, you know, when you were uh, being drafted and all that, or is it something that's developed as you've gone on?
2: It's always kind of been there. I think I was a little more overpowering in high school didn't really use it much. It was almost like an ineffective pitch in high school. If I'm throwing something that is right into the hitting speed of like 82, 83 is about an average high school pitcher. So not going to throw that in there. Um, but I thought it was good then. Uh, in college, it was it was pretty decent, but every single West Coast hitter can hit a changeup. So it was – an it's one of those things that I've always had in the back pocket. It didn't, it didn't become a, in my mind, a good out pitch until I got to pro ball, and it was like, oh, these guys swing and miss at it. They're not, they're not on a fastball. So, it's uh, it, it was one of those confidence boosts once I got into pro ball. Were you always um, a baseball player? Like going through high school, did you play any other sports? Um, I played sports in middle school. I played a couple years of football. I. I played a lot of soccer, but once I hit high school it was pretty much baseball all the way. I went to Mega High School with a lot of good athletes, so it was one of those that I wasn't going to make any other team, just focused on baseball. Yeah, had to go with uh, had to go with your bread and butter. Yep,
1: Southern California will will do that too. Yeah, seriously. We're we're up in New England, and it's kind of the opposite. If you're most most <laughs> people, if you're good at one sport, you'll be on three different teams. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, you weren't initially drafted out of high school, but you played uh, you played college, right?
2: Yes, I went to University of San Diego. Oh wow, that's um, who were who were some of your teammates there? Uh, some that we might know. I mean, Chris Bryant went there. That was not one of my teammates, but that's the alma mater is Chris Bryant. Yeah. Uh, Riley Adams, he's in the catcher. big leagues with the Na- with the Nationals. Yep. Yeah, catcher. Um. Uh, Paul Sewald, he was there a long time before me, but he's still in the big leagues with the Mariners. Really good closer for them. Uh, there's there's I think we've had eighty seven people drafted, played with a lot of guys that have been in Pro Ball or still are in Pro Ball, we've got a few left. Did I am I imagining that Steven Strasberg went there? He went to San Diego State. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, S D S U, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, there's, gotcha. There's a few schools in San Diego. Yeah, gosh, that. And you're you're from you're. Are you how far out of San Diego are you from? Uh, about two hours north with no traffic. I'm from just just outside of LA in the San Fernando Valley. Oh, Did you man. grow up a Dodgers fan? I grew up a Yankee fan, oddly enough. Oh, um, how that happened. my parents. Both of my parents are from Long Island, so they grew up pretty hardcore Yankee fans. Uh, that was a fun draft day, for sure. Uh, but <laughs> to me, it didn't. Are they Red Sox fans though? They wear a Red Sox hat when I pitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where, where on Long Island are they from? Northport. They're okay. both my from dad. North Port.
1: My, yeah. my dad's from Hempstead. So, gotcha.
2: Okay. Somewhat not too with, familiar with Long Island. I know a couple things, but not a whole lot. Yeah, they were more my dad. My dad's area there. They, they were more Mets fans, but I know that it's kind of. My dad. My dad was a, more of a Mets fan, but turned into a Yankees fan once they. He was really mad that they traded Nolan Ryan. So, <laughs> rightfully so. Yes. Um, but yeah, I grew up a a Yankee and a Jets fan. Still a Jets fan, sadly. But it's a hard thing to report. About, sorry to hear that. Yeah. For, for you, yeah. not even. Oh, for, better like, season this ever. year.
0: Who, who was your better. favorite player growing up?
2: For baseball, um, I was a huge Derek Jeter fan. Uh, but I did go to my fair share of Dodger games, and I did love Jeff Kent. I don't know. Jeff Kent and Sean Green were the two guys that I loved watching play for the Dodgers, just oh, position player-wise. Cool. But once Kershaw became Clayton Kershaw, I would say I was pretty – I watched every one of his starts. So
0: okay. It makes sense. Yeah. Lefty, too.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you gotten to beat him? No, I have not. That's – That would be a check off the bucket list. I would have to hold in my inner geek on, on that. So (laughs) that would be interesting.
1: Are you, are you into the, um, like all of like the stats and the, like the pitching metrics and that stuff?
2: Um, I understand the pitching metrics. I don't dive super deep into necessarily statistics. I understand all of it this year. I kind of worked my way back from it and, just focused on pitching itself and just told myself in the off season, we'll look at numbers and like what I should be doing to hitters and pitch design stuff. So that's what I'm up here at driveline doing right now is working on some pitch design and how to command a little bit more and getting better at that sort of stuff to make, make those strides with statistics.
1: How do you mean by pitch design? I just I just know from following your Instagram it'll be like, you know, like you're shirtless with like some wires attached up to you throwing some <laughs> stuff. Like what are you? What yeah. are they actually having you do
2: there? <laughs> so uh, they put these sensors on your body and they turn you into a stick figure with their with their software and they can see points of stress in your delivery or inefficient links with things like hip and shoulder separation or scap retraction. Or where you might be losing VLO, ve- losing or where you can gain VLO, um, stuff like that. So it's it's actually it's called a we call it a mocap motion capture. It's uh, it's super cool. That was I think the Red Sox do it, but we don't do it where we have to pretty much get shirtless and wear no pants. We we do it with a uniform on. Um, very very similar technology, but it's it's pretty pretty cool stuff. It helps you see things that you can't see with the naked eye, or even with high speed high speed camera, so.
1: That's really cool. Is there anything that you've, uh, that you're like, re- cause you were talking about the two different sliders. Is that something that you've been developing through that technology? Um,
2: no, that technology is just purely for mechanic purposes to make sure I'm repeating my delivery properly every single time to in turn, make it easier to command every pitch I throw. And when it comes time to learning the new slider I have a repeatable delivery and I can have a consistent basis on how to throw the pitch. So there'll be another, another separate bullpen where you're fully clothed and you're just, you're, you're throwing pitches with their other technology that can tell you exactly how many inches the pitch moves and what it's doing or how efficient it is, the spin rate, stuff like that. Yeah. You mentioned uh, before this started,
1: um, when we were talking that um, you're up in Seattle right now. Um, and are, who are, who are some of the
2: other players that you're there with? Uh, Ryan John is one of them. Joey Stock. Um, I only know their first names. We got Connor, a bunch of, bunch of new draftees. Uh, Nick York was up here hitting. Phil Sykes was up here hitting and got like uh, six pitchers up here. So got a good little group going. They live in an Airbnb. I'm in the, I'm in their Airbnb right now, actually. Oh, I'm nice. In, I'm in a hotel about 10 minutes away. Decided to hang out. We got the day off today.
0: Sorry, guys. I got to get to a podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what I said. I'm in Ryan Zephyr John's room right now. Yeah,
0: He looked, uh, he looked,
1: um, how, how, how's he been doing? Because we were following him with the uh, Arizona Fall League. It looks like he's somebody that really could uh, be, be interesting now that he's uh, in the bullpen. He's got that nice uh, fastball-breaking ball
2: combo. Yeah, he looks really good. I was watching his bullpen the other day. The slider is really coming along. So I'm excited to see what he does against hitters. I think that's what we're all really excited to do is face hitters at this point.
1: Is this going to be your first year at uh, big league spring trading?
2: Well, uh, yeah, uh, no. I guess I was there last year as a non-roster invite but it was such a weird spring training. I was only over there for a week because of the lockout. So yeah, uh, this is my first time having, like being there from day one, I guess. And that's very excited for that.
0: Who are you looking at? Yeah. Who's, whose brand are you looking to pick while you're down there?
2: Um, last year it was Rich Hills. This year, uh, I haven't thought about that one yet. Chris Sale. I've talked to him before. Uh, We are kind of different pitchers, so it it was one of those things that, yeah. um, It's a tough one.
1: What would you learn from
2: Bill? I played catch with him first day of spring training, and I learned a lot just without talking to him, just how he goes about his business. He's he's doing it at 42 years old. I was like, this is crazy. And (laughs) the way he throws, he has intent behind every single throw he makes. And you can tell that he, excuse my French, he gives a shit. And it's one of those things you're like, that's, that's why he's there at his age. Doesn't necessarily throw hard. He's what, 88 to 90? Just, just competes. So I watch his bullpens. I watch Nick Pavetta's bullpens a lot. So it was one of those things that I just kind of sat back and I just watch and learn without necessarily talking to them, just how do they go about their business on the mound. When, play.
0: when Hill throws his bullpen does he grunt too
2: oh yeah oh yeah he's <laughs> he's a 110% in the bullpen it's you have to hold in a smirk cuz it's a little funny uh like he'll be 88 in a game per se and if his bullpen's 84 85 miles an hour just you're a little sore You'd, It's all you got on day 2 still grunting so it's i like he's throwing it, 103 <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he throws an invisible. It's hard to see that baseball out of his hand. He he throws everything just perfectly, if I were to describe it.
1: Now, um, are, have you gotten to work with any of the big league catchers yet?
2: I have not, actually. Uh, I guess Connor Wong. I worked oh, yeah, with Wong, him I guess in, in AAA. I really – we saw – we mesh really well chemistry wise on what pitches to throw when I just had some bad starts with him behind the plate, but I wasn't, I don't think that was a Connor Wong thing. That was a me thing. It was just one of those like not executing pitches. Like I agreed with every, almost every pitch called, I think about 95%. I was, I was with him. So I want to see how, how that goes this year at spring training and moving forward. Yeah, who's been, uh, who's been, which catcher have you had the best results with? Uh, I'd say Cole Cottam was my catcher with the best results, either Cottam or Eli. Eli Marrero is really oh. good back there too. So, and both of those guys have they pull for you as a pitcher. Like they get mad when you don't execute pitches, and I I love that accountability that they hold hold me hold me to. So, uh, when a catcher does that, when they get mad when you throw a bad pitch, or tell you to be like throw a better pitch, like let's go, or like give you one of these before they call it, it's it's the confidence level i think that that separates those guys yeah
1: it seems like uh, giving a shit really is like a metric for you as far as like players that you uh,
2: that you have an appreciation for exactly there there is like a heart component like you may not be necessarily the best or the biggest guy or have the best tools but if you care out there like you'll you'll perform like i think my best example of that is nick sogard i think that'd yep. be my my I watch every single at bat that guy takes just cuz he's not going to hit a home run. And I mean if he's listening, sorry Nick, you don't have that much pop but <laughs> singles <laughs> singles doubles everywhere and he's got a it, great he, eye too. He is one of the most disciplined people at the plate. He doesn't want to get out. Genuinely does not want to strike out, does not want to fly out, doesn't want he wants to get on base and that was it's it's fun watching him have a good at bat and then, yeah
1: what was it like watching Tristan Cassus have an at bat speaking of discipline at
2: the plate um he's just from the bench what's that like he's methodical like i he has a routine he knows what he's doing every single at bat um there's there's also an appreciation for him too like i he's a little crazy i love it though so uh <laughs> you need to be a little crazy to play at the level that he does and a very very methodical has a very definitive approach at the plate and it changes at bat to at bat depending on who he's facing or like you can just tell he spews confidence up there how
1: do you approach a guy like that as a pitcher not specifically tristan Cassis, but a guy that you've read the scouting report on him you know that he's a very disciplined hitter and he has a plan for you
2: how do you go into that at bat well you kind of know that you need to you need to get ahead quick. So strike one is important. If you get behind two O to him, he's put, he's hitting anything you put in the zone next. Um, So I I would say I'd have to start him soft, flip over a strike because he's probably looking fastball first pitch to hit it the other way. Double in the gap is, I think that's his MO. Just, just hit it where he doesn't take too much. He, he takes what he's given. So it's get, Get to one strike, get to two strikes, and see if he chases. If not, locate locate decently, see if he rolls over, gets himself out.
1: Yeah, I mean that's gotta be one of those things that even the best hitters are only gonna get on like three every ten times. Exactly. Three times out of ten. Yep. So you know, if you force contact maybe he hits a home run, but also maybe he just flies out to the Ace, to the yep. right fielder or something. Or, who um who's somebody because you mentioned Sogard before and I always have that um, that question. But so you said for hitters this, but um who's a pitcher that you think might be underlooked right now um in the in the system?
2: Uh, my initial answer would have said Polity,
1: but he got picked up. So yeah, we had him on Pretty... a couple weeks ago, and oh. it seems like the most soft spoken guy until like he starts talking about pitching, and then it's like oh this guy really knows his shit.
2: Yeah, he he's He's really good. I, I've gotten to pick his brain a bunch, and still keep in touch with him in the off season. And he's he's a very underlooked guy, and I'm glad he's getting a shot. He he deserves that. So, um, but beyond that, let me let me think about on the AAA staff.
1: Could be anybody uh, on the in the system. It could be somebody in the majors that you've seen pitch. It could
2: be somebody um, like in Salem, like whoever. I mean, I will say that. At spring training last year, it was definitely Schreiber. Uh, he was the most underlooked guy at spring training, and did he uh, didn't make the team? Yeah, I was like, this guy is the nastiest pitcher I have ever seen. So, Dr. Nasty. Dr. Nasty. Uh, I just had a. I just had a, a name. Who was it? Oh man, I'm stumped on this one. I mean, I feel like I don't really underlook people because I play catch with them every day. Like, those are guys I know. I don't underlook them. I, like, watch genuinely like watching people pitch. Oh. No, that's fair. But somebody like Schreiber, then,
1: like, who might... Who's going to sneak... Who you think might sneak up on people this year?
2: Um, I think Ryan, catch... Fernand, Ryan Fernandez, I think, Ooh. is one of those guys that might sneak up on people. He's got that big played... arm. He's got that velocity. Yeah, I played catch with him in... 2019 a bunch very very wild at the time but he he was always trying to throw hard and it was I think 92 94 in 2019 and I hadn't played with him a whole lot after that he had gone through some injury or COVID happened and but watch those I, I watch him throw watch his numbers and people tell me he's a 100 and I'm like okay that's that's the truth right there uh yeah, I'd say he's one of those guys. Glad you mentioned the two thousand and
1: nineteen team because I was saying this uh, before we started, and that is the final season for now of the Lowell spinners. and you you were a part of that team. um and as I've mentioned before, I grew up watching the spinners a lot. Um, you know, it was like twenty minutes away from where. Um, I was so we were. I'd probably go to eight or nine games a year. Um, what was what was it like playing there? Uh, playing at the lecture for half your games that
2: year in, in the head league. It was it was really fun. It felt like a a much more relaxed version of summer ball, college summer ball. You're just playing with a bunch of guys your age. We were all college guys. Couple uh, younger high school guys too, but it was mostly guys around my age. Just got drafted. And it it just, it felt like summer ball. There was like, not a whole, like there was team chemistry at the end, but at the beginning, it's just a bunch of guys who've never played with each other before. You get to know them and have a couple beers with them, hang out. And, and we won a lot of games that summer. That was a really fun team. Uh, I think Padron, Eusneel Padron-Artiles struck out 13 in a row in the playoff game and that was electric. So that, yeah. I, there's definitely a lot of memories from that team and Joe Davis and Steven Scott. Yeah, I was about to say, Big Joe. Big Joe. Big Joe. I was, yeah, I was actually in Big Joe's wedding a couple years ago. So that was, yeah, that was fun. How was, uh, how was
1: Big, what was the Big Joe wedding? Did he make you guys – Did he, was there barbecue at it or like what?
2: Yeah, it was what, barbecue. What did they do for that? They did, it was, it was, it, it was a, a little low budget wedding. So it was, there was tacos day of, but night before was his dad made barbecue. It was on a ranch, really cool, down to earth, small wedding. Me and me and Scotty were two of his groomsmen, so that was a that was a good time. Had a good time with him.
1: Would you? Does that make you like the third meatball brother
2: in a while? I was. Yeah, we were originally <laughs> planning in twenty twenty before COVID hit. We were gonna live in that in that trailer together in greenville when it was low a and we were like yeah we're living in the trailer together like this is gonna be awesome we're gonna pocket our paycheck and that this is before all of us got housing so yeah that was probably for the best but yeah Stephen
1: scott really stepped up when he got to double a last year he really uh sp- I, 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 does, yeah. does he does he consider himself um like um because I know that the scouting report on him was that he was a hitter, but he didn't really have a home position. And now he's you know, he's a catcher and he got I've those reps actually, into the AFL
2: this year. I've he's only caught me a couple times at instructs here and there, but I love I love him behind the plate. We're we're best friends away from away from the baseball field, so it's one of those things that you kind of naturally have a chemistry. Um I would say he was positionless for a little bit, but his arm this past season was pretty electric. He was throwing guys out. I'm like, he's a catcher. So it's awesome for him to move up and have a position that he can, that he can thrive and he rakes. So he has a great approach and I feel like he's always making hard contact somewhere. So there's definitely fun watching him play too.
0: I got a question for you. Uh, So uh, double a and uh in AAA, what were some of your favorite places um like f- parks so like i live in heart i live near hartford,
2: gotcha. hartford. Is
0: beautiful is
2: Hart- the favorite favorite double a park um i actually really liked i really enjoyed portland great fan base out there i i still don't understand how they wear shorts and it's snowing out but that's a <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> loyal fan base for sure in portland uh but Hartford's by far the best place to play in that double-A Eastern League. Um, Worcester is – I know it's a home field, but Worcester is the place to play. In it's a beautiful state. It's gorgeous. So the big leaguers, when they came down for rehab, were saying this is nicer than the major league locker room. So Until
0: Kersel That, that says there. something.
2: Well, he bought them <laughs> a new TV, so I, I don't yeah, know. That, it doesn't sound that, that bad. That TV, that TV was already broken. it was was an already broken tv that was not that was not his doing he just he just decided to break it down like a box for us
0: i thought it was hilarious i thought it was hilarious how he just like he walked in there like it like nothing was happening and then someone just had a camera just going down there and he just takes a bat the kick was what got me though (laughs) <laughs> well, he's got such
1: long legs, too. It's like a kick is going to go across the room.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, I His intensity, that guy just loves playing baseball. So I I definitely could feel for him. Like, yeah, he didn't play a, a whole lot in the past three years. Like, it's frustrating. You go out and you don't perform the way you want to. And that guy genuinely loves to be there. He loves playing baseball every day. And I know, I know he takes it hard that he can't. So, kind of feel for him on that sense. So, yeah. What What are you
0: guys' thoughts? Like when when like a big leaguer, you know, uh, say oh, Waka, uh, come down and do uh, a rehab assignment. Are you guys like, oh, awesome? We can pick this, pick their brain, or is it like, hell yeah, we're getting a good spread?
2: <laughs> uh I don't. I wouldn't really approach it as like we're we pick their brain. You say what's up to them. They're you're usually only there the day they pitch, so you don't want to bother them when they're doing their thing. You let them have their space, and you treat them like one of the guys. You don't you don't treat them like oh Mr. Sale or anything like that. No, just you get
0: what's up, giddy. Chris?
2: Yeah, yeah. You don't get all giddy, but definitely fun getting some some spread after the game for sure. Some good good filet mignon is not frowned upon for me. That's <laughs> how you win over the clubhouse. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this is a question from um, Brandon Brewer, who was one of our co-hosts, but uh, could be here today. What are your feelings on the new Robo-Ups that are going to be at, uh, at AAA this year? I saw a tweet from Zach Kelly the other day that just was this is bad. That was the whole tweet. But um what's the what's your feelings and what's the general feeling that you've heard?
2: I'm not this? sure. I don't have an, I don't have an opinion on it yet. Because I've never thrown to it, but I talked to Jay Groom after he got traded and he was like, Dude, I get I get some calls that I have never gotten before on my curveball. I think it honestly depends on your repertoire, what you throw. Um if you throw a big curveball, I think it actually helps a lot. Um so glad i throw a curveball a lot of curveball is kind of becoming like a lost a lost pitch in baseball with all the sliders and splitters and and that kind of stuff so i i don't really know how i feel about it i'll see how it is um but there won't be any nibbling anymore you can't you can't nibble an umpire zone so there is that
0: we're still going to have umpires right like i just want to like actually, behind the plate, it's not just like yeah, yeah. Okay, and the I, and the umpire can actually can they overrule?
2: Yes, the I mean the system could always be wrong. Like if a curveball bounces and it's virtually unhittable, but it, I think it's the broken glass rule. So all it has to do is touch it. If a seam touches the zone, it's a strike. And if that if I throw a curveball at the front of the zone, and it bounces on the back of home plate and it clips. The very front of the zone it's strike three like that's that's, if the hitter doesn't swing like it's it's unfortunate um i definitely agree that there should be some some umpire an umpire should be able to take that call away like no that's not a hittable pitch um but jay jay groom was telling me he was getting some some calls that he's never seen before on curveballs down and curveballs up both ways like curveball that just dumps over the back top of the zone that a hitter can't hit or a curveball at the front of the at the front of the zone at the bottom that's unhittable as well. Do you guys
1: follow what's going on with the Big League Club um for like just because there's been so much free agency stuff there was, you know, with Xander leaving, with Raffy getting his extension, the new guys that are coming in, Yoshida and and all those guys. Are you are, are like the player? Do you follow that
2: the same way fans do, or are you kind of just working um, on your own stuff? I work on my own stuff. I keep up with like who's on the forty man and like what the moves are, but I'm not. I don't. I don't research them. I just kind of like oh, I'll see this guy play in a couple in a couple months, and just it is what it is. Like I'm, I just got added to the forty man. There's nothing I can do about the roster, <laughs> um, so it's. It, it just kind of stand stand back, and just watch watch how it works because i've never really paid a whole lot of attention to what goes on prior to this um i've been like cognizant of it like who's who's on that side but um yeah i wasn't really too too in on like what the trades were for this guy or anything like that but now that you're up there you kind of see who's getting traded more often and it's it's there
0: when you go on the road what's uh outside of anything baseball related, what's your number one thing you take with you?
2: Number one thing I take with me. Uh, I mean, my iPad comes with me, but oh, I'm not a gamer. I'm not a gamer. Uh, I don't know. I On the road, I just wake up whenever I wake up, usually decently early, go get a coffee and some breakfast, try out different coffee shops. I think that's my thing. So other than that, I play chess on my phone. I know our trainers in AAA travel with the chess board, and we play chess a lot. So that's not it. I don't think there's anything that I bring specifically. iPad works. iPad, yep.
0: <laughs> Ed, are you with us?
2: Uh, looks like we lost that.
0: Ed. Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> uh, see.
0: Could me. Chris, so like recently being on the forty man, is there anybody like you're super excited to face in live BP?
2: Um, honestly, I I just want to I do want to face more major leaguers. Um, I want I want to see what it's like facing Devers. I want to face. Ooh. I mean, Trevor Story was a guy I wanted to face. I. I'm not afraid to, to get hit around if that's what happens, but I just I wanna have that experience. I wanna I wanna face those those top guys. So that's that's definitely in there.
0: And then kind of another question like kind of like that. What is your most memorable like at bat of someone you faced last year if you have one?
2: Uh, trying to uh, of the Red Sox or just overall in, during just the- in general. Logan Ohapi with the Phillies, or he was with the Phillies. He got traded to the Angels. Good name. He's good tough prospect. at bat. Tough at bat. He took me deep, and I'll, I'll say it, but it was just a mistake changeup, middle away, with two or I think it was two strikes, and he just pulled it over the fence. I was like, okay, good for him. <laughs> but he's a tough at bat, and I like genuinely love those. T- he's he crowds the plate and. That that kind of stuff annoys me a little bit, just as a pitcher. But it does. I'm I'm not mad at him. It's just like he's on the dish. Like I can't. It's hard to work inside to a guy that has elbows over the plate. And I I have appreciation for those guys that help force me to execute pitches. So I'd say that my string of I think probably faced him ten times last year. So so how many times? How many times did you win? I don't even know. I just know he. I just know he. He clipped me once or twice. I know he's hit a couple balls hard. Um, I don't. I think I. I think I struck him out once or twice. But I know he took me deep, and that's one of those things. Like ah, he got me,
0: Mister Mustache. <laughs> Have you ever been? Um. Uh, have you ever been asked to throw at somebody?
2: In pro ball, no. That's not a thing. I hope <laughs> not, at least. Don't want to do it. Um, happened in high school. Somebody in threw, high like,
0: school told you to throw at somebody?
2: When I threw, like, 82. Like, hit him hit him in the back or hit him in the leg. Like, and I wasn't throwing hard. I was a freshman. He kid pimped a home run. It wasn't off of me. It was off of a different kid. We were losing, like, 12 nothing. I went in there just to hit a guy. Uh, you come out of the pen. I was, yeah. I I had thrown ninety five pitches two days prior. He goes, can you hit him? I was like, I mean, yeah. Like, I I think I was throwing maybe high seventies at the time. I was a freshman or sophomore. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have answered the question.
1: Now, if you could take, throwing-
2: you were part of that really good.
1: A rotation. If you could take one pitch from any of the guys on opening day in there, so Brian, Brian Mayo, Brendan Walter, um, Jay Groom, uh, Victor Santos, if you could take one pitch from any of those guys, and let's just throw Brian Bata into the mix, too, because he was
2: rehabbing cool. at that point, but um, what pitch
1: guys would you add to your arsenal and why?
2: Um. I'm going to have to go with Brandon Walters' two seam or his uh, either his two seam or his slider. I don't throw a two seam and he just uh, I don't I can't comprehend how he throws a baseball the way he does. It's just nasty. So everything moves. You like might three be feet. pleased to know that he said he said your changeup. He said Who my changeup. His, his changeup is one of yep. the best changeups. Okay. Interesting. All right. I'll. <laughs> He's
0: getting attacks later today. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Wait, was it? No, sorry. It was your, not your change your fastball.
1: Sorry. Because
2: he said that he doesn't God. hit
1: too high. On, no, it was his fastball. I'm sorry about that.
2: <laughs> his, yeah, his fastball's from the side. I would kill for a fastball that's from the side and moves like, I don't know. That thing moves like three feet before it gets to home plate. I, it, it's a, I think you have to guess to get a hit off of him. You, you can't, you can't. Just react because everything moves, everything starts down the middle and everything ends in different places. So it's funky.
1: Checking for, uh, see what of our, uh,
0: are you in New York? Am I in New York? No, no, Ed's internet's all screwed up. So. No, my internet's
1: been real screwy. Um, okay, here's a question from uh, Sean Palmer. Uh, at what point in your life did it hit you that you might actually have an opportunity to be drafted and play professional baseball? Like, did you have a moment where you were like, damn, I'm good?
2: Um, I remember the first time I realized that I could play college baseball. And so... I would say about 88 miles an hour was about that mark was was pro ball but the first time i realized i could play at the next level before i even thought about that was sophomore year of high school i went from 78 miles an hour to 85 miles an hour in less than two weeks and i was like oh, wow oh, that's that's a jump and i was throwing every day and i was it was consistently off a mound getting uh, doing stuff on a radar gun and seeing what I could do, and built arm strength super fast. Plateaued a little bit at about 87 miles an hour, and then grew a little bit more. And I was 88, and then 90 came not too far after that. And that was when I was like, okay, I, a lefty that throws 90 in 2015, that was pretty hard. Now 90 is slow, so the game's yeah, evolved still a little bit since then. So that, still that goes a long yeah. way. <laughs>
1: what do you think you'd have done if uh, you weren't playing baseball like what did you study in school
2: uh i studied history in college with the intent of if i go back and finish when i go back and finish if i do want something to fall back on i'll go to law school and and see where that takes me i know history majors are an easy way to get into law but i was actually growing up in baseball i was super fond of biomechanics and that was my dream to study but San Diego didn't offer it too small of a school to offer biomechanics. Uh, So I'm not really too sure on what the backup plan will be after, after baseball is over. So right now, I guess we'll say law degree or coach baseball, but yeah, those are the options right now.
1: What, um, what do you like to do outside of, uh, outside of baseball?
2: Play some chess, play golf. Uh, I cook a lot in the off season because cooking isn't really a thing in season. You cook breakfast at home, What do you like um, but to cook? every other meal, I really explored ethnic foods this off season. So I learned how to make a lot of Indian food. So butter chicken, chicken tikka masala. I made a bunch of curries and, uh, I was living in NorCal with my girlfriend. So it was, it got cold at the end of October, early November, and she was like, it's soup season. So I learned how to make a bunch of soup, <laughs> uh, made the Olive Garden sopa Toscana soup. That is really good. I've, I can make that. I could eat that like four or five days a week. And it is amazing.
0: I can eat the breadsticks all day.
2: Yeah. And breadsticks are good too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Were you playing in the uh, the Worcester tr- uh, chess tournament that they were
0: doing?
2: Yeah, that's what got me hooked on chess. I had I had played chess, like I knew how the pieces moved, but I had never had like a strategy to playing chess. And when I I don't like losing. Like I know I I'm gonna be bad at chess when I first start, but I didn't like losing, so downloaded the chess app, and I think I was playing like at least four hours a day of just quick 10 minute games of chess at like after the game was over it was played like 10 or 11 chess games before i went to bed and i think all my free time spent in worcester for that last month and a half of the season was studying a little like chess openings or like what do i do here solving puzzles and yeah i think that that was kind of a cool getaway work the brain a little bit and and Playing guys, I'm sure you were in the locker room. You could see us like just playing. the chessboards everywhere. I didn't finish. I wasn't very good at that point when we had those tournaments. Didn't didn't place. Didn't do great. I think I won one game, but say I've gotten a lot better now <laughs> so, over the off season. <laughs>
0: so, so who's the best in the locker room?
2: Uh, it was Dave Herrera, the trainer. He has the king right. tattooed on his forearm. So he he's not he's not a grandmaster, but he was really good at chess. Um, Who player wise, Darwinson Hernandez was really good. Devlin Granberg really good plays. I heard Franchi and Wong were both pretty good. Franchi was really good, and Connor Wong kicked my ass a couple times. He plays aggressive. Yeah, there's it's different play styles. It's it's. It's really funny, like the same way guys pitch or the same way guys play baseball, there's different styles of play and you kind of get to see it all and face different people. Man.
1: Um, so do you guys have, uh, have any more questions?
0: I've got one. So kind of going back to how you were saying, like you love guys with lots of heart. I know you grew up a Yankees fan, but I'd imagine you at least had some respect for Dustin Pedroia growing up.
2: Without a doubt, I've never hated a player. I just enjoyed the game of baseball. I was never like a Boston hater. Like I I loved the rivalry games because it was the most competitive. Like if there's a brawl like the Joe Kelly, the Joe Kelly brawl was timeless. And is one of those like, yeah, that's that's awesome. Like the Boston fan base, like you just you pull for a a moment like that and uh Yeah, I I think it's the rivalry is honestly the best. I, I, it's not like to flare ups like that. I, I know it's, it's different game now, but we all play for, I guess technically they say you play for all 30 teams when you're in the minor leagues. You never know when you're going to get traded. You're not necessarily in the big leagues, but, um, it's still, it's still competitive baseball regardless. You want to win. I have one for you, but I gotta look
0: it up real quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a brawl last year. Well, I'm gonna ask
1: my last question then before you.
0: No,
2: I, I, I'll I, ask I my it. last
1: question then before you do, Brad. Which is okay. Uh, go uh, ahead.
2: Okay. I can't tell if uh, my internet is still okay. No, I think but I'm good. Uh, did you?
1: Me. Do you have any pets, Chris? <laughs>
2: um. My dad has one of my pets. His name's Joey. He's a German Shepherd. Um he, he's one of the coolest dogs ever. He's he's a big goofball doofus. Um I only saw him a couple times this off season, but my dad takes great care of him. I got pictures all the time. And then me and my girlfriend saved a cat this off season. His name is Frank. He's a eight year old. He's an eight year old, just old guy, super cool down earth like he doesn't doesn't hurt you never scratched me just kind of a nice cat that just chills with us and sleeps at the at the foot of the bed and uh so she'll be taking care of him and uh that's those are my pets did you know that Eli Marrero has a pig I had no idea that Eli Marrero has a pig yeah, he has a pet. He has
1: a pet pig that I forget what he said the name was, but the like the direct translation to English is Chunk.
2: <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I had, I had no idea. He lives in Florida. I mean, that doesn't surprise me now, but. Huh. Yeah, that was that's my favorite.
1: One. Um, of any of any Red Sox
2: pets that I have heard
1: of, that has like that's a dream of mine to have a pet pig. So that I'm always always looking for that sort of thing. All
0: right. So my last question is about a brawl that happened up in Portland. Cool. With Tyree. Uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was a good one. That was fun. (laughs) That was fun. I was in the dugout making a, so Lance Carter, the pitching coach uh, was telling me it was so cold out. Both teams are wearing navy blue jackets, navy blue and red jackets. You can't tell who's who. Um, Wearing my gloves and Carter's telling me, you have to mix a hot chocolate packet with coffee. It's so good. So I'm making that and I finish making it. I stir it up. Tyreek gets hit and I was like, what's going on? I had to just throw it on the ground. I was so disappointed (laughs) about that. But that was just watching the video. That was one of the best. I mean, you can't condone fighting but that was one of the best fights I've ever seen one of the best brawls in baseball period. Yeah,
0: he just like he's walking down the uh the first baseline, he, and all of a sudden he turns around and he just like goes over to him and just knocks him it out. Was,
2: it was one of those situations. It was Tyreek was the only guy that felt bad. Uh he's <laughs> gen, he's genuinely the nicest person on the team. I, and like he wouldn't he wouldn't harm a fly but that that kid kinda of asked for it. Oddly enough. He kinda of said, Do you wanna fight? Tyreek said, Do you wanna fight? And it just kinda of happened. Uh, I, I don't think the other guy wanted to fight.
1: I think Tyreek just took him just took him out before he could fight.
2: Yeah, well, there were some words. Tyreek was like, You don't wanna do this, man like told him like I'm he was just running a first and he he's not an ill willed person. Like he, he was pretty torn up about that. He felt really bad that he that kid got hurt for the rest of the season. After that, once he oh, wow. went to go, I didn't, I didn't know that part of it. Yeah, he got hurt for the rest of the season. He went to go tackle David Hamilton, and I think he tore some stuff in his knee, a couple of ligaments in his knee. But Tyreek was like, "Man, I shouldn't be fighting." We're like, "Dude, like, watch the video. Like, he he was like, kind of, he was screaming at Tyreek. It was a very unfortunate situation that that happened, but." It was good for the team. We ended up coming back and winning that game, pretty sure. And I think we won like the next six or seven games. So, you kind of look at it from that standpoint and you have like a little bit of camaraderie as you do that as a team. Um, I guess that's a really bad way of looking at it. I do not condone fighting. No one no one, cancel me on the internet, please. Have you ever been into, in a fight on the on the field? Um there was a game in college. I accidentally hit the same guy in the knee twice. Uh, wasn't, I'm not the most, I didn't have the most command, never have hit the same guy twice And our, he tried charging them out and our catcher tackled him and kind of ended it there. And that was really it. Um, but no, I've never, never started a, a brawl per se. You ever get ran
0: at like after you hit, hit somebody? Because is is you said your catcher stopped somebody, but, like, all right, I, I, I you hit somebody, they go, they're go, they going at you or whatever. You've, like, what's your thoughts there?
2: It hasn't happened, but I wouldn't back down from it. I wouldn't. I don't think I would just statue and stand there. I wouldn't run away. I'd probably go towards them, to be honest. Uh, headlock. Yeah, he's Nolan Ryan headlock.
0: Norman Ryan do the Joe Kelly whatever yeah.
2: yeah that those are those are timeless fights, but it's something I hope I never have to be in the situation of, but I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm afraid of that situation. if it happens it happens. Uh, I guess we'll just see time will tell. <laughs> oh, man. hopefully it doesn't hopefully it doesn't. Uh, well. Thanks again
1: for joining us today, Chris. Um, is there a place on social media that people can follow you
2: if uh, fans uh, are interested? My Twitter is ChrisMurphy07, and my Instagram is ChrisMurphy08. So if you guys want to give me a follow, that'd be awesome. But no worries do the number, if not. <laughs> do,
0: the, do the numbers mean anything?
2: Uh, seven, Mickey Mantle is one of my... I guess one of my first numbers my dad loved mickey mantle so had that number growing up all throughout uh i guess like little league and then once i got to college number seven is the shortstops number i do not play shortstop (laughs) um (laughs) but number eight was available and ended up just riding with that for a long time uh I was eight eight in college. I try to have the number eight in my numbers now, or something that adds up to it, or something along those lines. But a number is a number at this point. Fair enough. Yeah. Well,
1: best of luck to you in the spring, and uh, you know, we'll... my lights
2: just went off. Sorry about that. Whoa! <laughs> it's <laughs> your lights went off, but your
1: internet's still good. That's yeah. That's certainly it's something. Well, we'll uh... <laughs> sorry about that, guys. you know we'll be hopefully hopefully still in touch with you uh come come the season but thanks again for uh for coming on just best of best of luck
0: no problem thank you guys for having me hopefully yeah see
2: you guys in worcester yeah yeah appreciate it thank you for having me on uh, thank you for coming on no problem